Hello and welcome to The Well Podcast. Find out more at facebook.com forward slash The Well Event. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a joy to be a child of God. Thank you for the greatest privilege in all of the world that is ours, to be a child of the King. Um, Lord, what a privilege. What a privilege. Uh, not to come to one distant, but to really from our hearts even say, Daddy, what a privilege to be drawn in and to be embraced by one so beautiful. Uh, Lord Jesus, let us feel your embrace in this place tonight. And, O oh God, as we have heard from Jewel and that one young man in particular, may he feel your embrace, O oh God, the power of your presence. Even a vision of you, a dream of you, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, and we even speak it over him just now. Liberty in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Even for us little children, O oh God. Let the blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow be in his home. Lord, could that be the portion of us at the well? Could we carry something of who you are so that all that we come into contact with catch something of your blessing? Catch something of of who you are, O oh God? Uh, that we would be effective. Uh, so, Lord, I ask, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? And even as I pray that, O oh God, I'm aware that on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, he, he came with fire. And with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and yet, O oh God, he symbolized in other times as a, as a gentle dove. And I pray, O oh God, that could we be filled with the gentleness of Jesus, that our witness would be so, so pure and gentle that people would not be able to resist. Make us effective to win our communities, O oh God. Let our nation be changed because of who you are in us. Let us not leave it up to someone else to do. Thinking even of how at the Shepherds Academy we heard about D. Moody, a man who put a challenge out to be consecrated unto Jesus. Let us consecrate our lives as service unto him. For we know that nothing else really will satisfy and nothing else will fulfill so, Lord, we, we tell you we love you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you. Uh, and just now as we uh, spend more time in, in, in this room, as I share my testimony, uh, I pray, O oh God, would you be glorified. Bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. And bless everybody online too. Um, amen. Okay. Okay. My testimony. Journey of faith. That's been our six-week series. I think we had a wee break somewhere in the middle after week three, and it's been really good. Really enjoyed hearing uh, Pastor Michael, Pastor Irwin, Pastor Nigel, Pastor Shaw, Pastor Frankie. Um, on January the 15th, we're going to hear from Pastor David. Um, but just to sort of finish up this wee section for now, it's my turn uh, to share my testimony with you. My name, which you know, is Stephen, Stephen Andrew Campbell. I was born on the 1st of April 1981. 
So a couple of things on that. That was April Fool's Day. You all know that, didn't you? Is that, it's usually the first thing that jumps into everybody's head. I don't know if you, anybody actually computed there. I was born on April Fool's Day. <laughs> um, that was some prank, wasn't it? Um, on 1981. So to see if you're doing the maths, that makes me, and I know you're amazed at this. I'm 40 years old. Um, so nobody reacted, so you're not amazed by that, okay. Um, I was born into a really good home. So uh, my mum and dad uh, both had given their hearts to the Lord from before they got married. Um, and their story's really good. I'll share it just really briefly in part because it sets the background of my story. But my, my mum was raised to know the Lord. But at a time in her life, she had gone far from him. And um, she met my dad. And my dad didn't know the Lord. Um, so I guess my mom had this deep conviction deep down. You know, she knew really she belonged to the Lord. And, and so she used to preach to my dad and preach to my dad's friends. I, I think this is true. I remember hearing them say, like, she used to tell all my dad's friends they were going to hell and all. And my dad was like, you know, be quiet, you know, type thing, embarrassing her. Um, but through different circumstances and different events and different things that had happened, um, uh, one occasion actually where my dad was walking with my mum and he was about to get into the car uh, and he put his hand on the handle and something in him just said wait and he, he just paused for a moment and a drunk driver came around smacked into the car and sent it flying up the street uh, and he knew if he'd been in the car if he hadn't awaited um, he, he, he might not be here um, and that, he really believed that was God confirming to him in that moment because he was under conviction, but he was afraid that he, he, he wouldn't be able to just keep being a Christian. And really that was God confirming to him in that moment that God would keep him. Um, so he gave his heart to the Lord. Um, and he and my mum then together set up a home with a godly emphasis. Their first home was a flat in Merville Garden Village, just a stone's throw from the church here. Um, and I think that's the flat where my older sister was born into. I have two sisters. Um, I have one older sister, Claire, and I have a younger sister, Rachel. So I'm the middle child, overlooked, neglected. You know, any other middle child, uh, middle child syndrome people here, Reese? Yep. Um, so yeah, you, you, yes, Lucy. Yep. So you, you, you guys know what it's like. Um, but. Actually, my sisters would probably tell you, with me being the only boy, um, it was probably not the case. I was neglected. But born into a good home, mum and dad then moved to a house in Merville, number 327, Merville Garden Village. That was the house I was born into. Um, lived there for the first five years of my life. And I have great memories. Can you, it's strange, isn't it, the things you remember? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a challenge you could put out. What is the earliest memory you have, eh? What age were you? Some people can't go back very far. Uh, some people can, go, can really go back. I have a few memories, just a few of, of, of number 327 Merville Garden Village. Um, this is a weird one. Where do you hear this? I remember uh, my mum was expecting my wee sister Rachel. So she was really heavily pregnant. And I can remember watching a thing on TV and I can remember these actors, whatever they were doing, they were like running really fast through these fields. So I was walking later on to the shops with my mum. You know, I was talking to Diane about this earlier. Um, my mum didn't drive. 
like I said to Diane, we're so spoiled, we just drive everywhere. My mum didn't drive then. We walked everywhere, you know, everywhere you had to go, you walked. So we're walking to the shops, and I must have been four years old. I remember this. I remember saying, Mum, they were really fast on TV, weren't they? And I remember my mum saying, that's nothing. Where do you see this? And I remember she took me by the hand, heavily pregnant, wearing heels, and she started to run. And I remember thinking, whoa, my mum's dead fast. <laughs> the things that you remember. I remember I used to get up on the wee brown. Brown was the in color then for your, in, your interior decor. So there was a brown sofa in the living room. And I used to climb up on the brown sofa and just launch myself. And my dad had to dive on the floor to catch me, uh, so I didn't wreck myself. Um, and that, that's a game that we just recently stopped playing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, dad is getting a really bad back, you know. I was like, dad, incoming. <laughs> yeah, so, and, you know, so the, yeah, the things you remember, um, what I do remember is my mum and dad always in that wee home um, would have, it was myself and Claire, my older sister at that stage, um, they would have done a, a family quiet time. And that was where they would have read to us from the Bible and they prayed with us. Um, I, I remember my dad uh, even putting me to bed at night. And my dad can't sing. I didn't know that at the time. So ignorance is bliss. And I remember him singing to me songs like, Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow might richer, fuller be. I actually, I don't think I knew the words to him, but I remember that's what he sang to me. And um, it was a happy home then. And it had the love of God. And I was taught that there's heaven and there's hell. I was taught that there's sin, but there's forgiveness to be had. I was taught that Jesus was real and that Jesus could live within your heart and that if Jesus lived within your heart, he was the best friend that ever you could have. And so that wee brown sofa that I would have launched myself off with my mom and my dad, that was where I knelt and I asked Jesus to come into my heart at four years old. And I knew at four years old, Jesus was in my heart. I, I heard a preacher saying once that it's not theologically correct to ask Jesus into your heart. And I kind of, you know, it was, it was abrasive to me because that's what I did. Uh, and then I remember reading in the Bible things like Ephesians 3 where Paul prays for the Ephesians that Christ would dwell in their heart by faith. And I realized, yeah, it is correct. But theology wasn't an issue to me Jesus was and as a child I knew he was my best friend I remember talking to him I remember just being with him I can remember being amazed that other people weren't Christians I can remember asking my mum and dad why are they not Christians do they, why do they not want their sins forgiven? Why do they not want to know Jesus? Why do they not want to go to heaven? You know the questions you ask when you're that age. Because for me, it was all I knew to be true, but it was all I knew to be good and to be what life was. 
was to have Jesus in your heart. Uh, we, we went to church at the time in Rathcool. Um, it was Rathcool Baptist Church. It was, it was great. Um, that was our world. Um, you know, you went to school and you did your other activities, but church was our world. You went on Sunday morning. You went on Sunday night. You went on Sunday afternoon to Sunday school. When you were old enough, on Sunday night after church, there was youth fellowship. Um, there was a children's meeting on a Wednesday night. Um, I was in a thing called the campaigners. I don't know if anyone knows that here. That's a bit like the BB or the GB. That was on a Thursday, Friday night, depending on your age and stuff. You were always, always at church. Um, to be dead almost, like as a kid in church, it was a bit boring. Um, that's where I learned all the books of the Bible, because the preacher would have been up there, you know, <laughs> giving it stacks. I'd have been like, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you know, <laughs> trying to memorize them. Um, that's where I counted all the holes on the roof tiles of the roof. There was, only, there was tiles and they all had wee holes. You had to just sit and count them. Um, that's where I counted the number of verses and choruses that there were in different hymns. And if it was a hymn that had five verses, but it also had choruses, that felt like ten verses. And I used to count them all and wonder when they'd be over. But in spite of all of that, it didn't put me off Jesus. You know, Jesus was still real to me. It was Jesus that I loved. And somehow, strangely, a new church was good for me. Uh, I guess it was putting a good godly discipline into me at the time. Actually, in fact, being immersed in church from so young, when I hit about 13, 14, instead of just going to church, I actually got involved in, in helping and doing things myself. Um, I think I was 13. My older sister, Claire, she was getting a guitar for Christmas. Uh, so nothing would do me then. I want a guitar. Claire's getting a guitar. I want a guitar. So Claire never took the guitar. She, didn't, she did a wee bit, but her interest wasn't like, like mine. I got my guitar for Christmas when I was about 13. And I used to play it for hours and hours and hours just sitting in my bedroom, playing, singing unto the Lord. I guess it was my private worship time, just worshiping God, not realizing that the rest of the family were hating my guts, you know. <laughs> Especially, I can remember one Saturday morning in particular, just getting up dead early, playing my guitar, you know. And my wee sister Rachel, would you give over? Would you be quiet? Um... Yeah, well, I guess I'm telling you that because, you know, now I do use it and play under the Lord, but God was sort of training my craft in those, you know, earlier days. Um, so I began to play guitar and then in the children's meeting, I began to play my guitar in the Sunday school. I think it must have been about 15 when I started teaching in the Sunday school. Um, I began to then help in the youth fellowship, you know, playing the guitar um, as I got older. Um, and so instead of just going to church, which may have been a bit boring for me, if truth be told, I really found my enjoyment in starting to teach Sunday school 
and starting to lead in worship. I've actually began, even on the Sunday nights in that church, to, to start to lead choruses and stuff. So let me take you now to age 18. Um, finished my A-levels. Um, it's a strange one. I'll, I'll share this with you. My A-levels weren't a good news story. Alone. And... Um, I, I had a real difficulty. I, I found studying so, so hard. Um, if I could show you my desk from when I was that age, like, I had a white desk and it was just covered every inch of it in pencil from me doodling and writing my name and just found it difficult to get into the books. And I left school at 18 and I didn't know what I was going to do or where my life was going to go. And I got a job in the Faith Mission Bookshop in Belfast. Um, there's a man who's he's with the Lord now, um, Edward Douglas, who ran that bookshop. Some of you may remember Edward. Um, I think he went to be with the Lord maybe f 15 years ago, I guess it could be now. But his motto was, pile them high and watch them fly. So you went into the bookshop and it's just piles of books and stuff everywhere. Like, and, and, and one of my jobs was to tidy the place. And I worked out you could have one tidy part of the bookshop at a time. Um, you know, you just sort of rotated it around. Just every bit you tidied, then stuff just got chucked into it again. And um, As I was working there, I, I began to think about my life and where it was headed. And I knew that Look, if you want to do well in life, you do have to study. And you do have to get your qualifications. And So I'd made plans then. I was going to go and do further study and get the qualifications that I needed in order that I could develop something of a career in life. And I'd made these plans. And working in that bookshop, I was meeting these people. They were called pilgrims. And, and the faith mission in those days, it wasn't, and it's still in today, it's not just a bookshop, it's a missionary organization. And it sends out workers all over the British Isles, you know, from the Shetland Islands in Scotland, right down to the south of Ireland. They send out missionary workers to do kids clubs, door to door, um, adult meet, meetings, missions, evangelization, in every which way you can imagine. That's what they did. And that's what they do. And they, in those days, called their workers pilgrims. Um, there's an old hymn, O pilgrim bound for the heavenly land, never lose sight of Jesus. So they, they were pilgrims. And I was meeting them. And I used to make fun of them a bit, you know, and say to them, you know, we don't need people doing this. We need people to get jobs and live for Jesus in, in their workplace, which is true. It's true. But I was sort of maybe winding them up a bit and having a bit of fun. And they were great fun back with me. But the truth is, I was actually really spoken to just by the life that they lived that was surrendered unto the Lord. They put their life in God's hand to be sent anywhere in the British Isles. And away they would just go, book a community center, hand out flyers, invite people to come and hear them preach. They were surrendered unto Jesus. I, I met somebody working in that bookshop who got married to a girl in Fort William in Scotland, you know, at the very foot of Ben Nevis, and I got invited over to the wedding. And when, I remember going over to that wedding and meeting lots of these faith mission people, lots of these workers, 
And I was really struck by them, by the peace of God that they seemed to carry, and by their surrendered life unto the Lord. So I'd made these plans working in the bookshop. I was going to leave it, and I was going to go study, get the qualifications for life that would be needed. And as I'm standing working there, like putting prices on Bibles and counting stuff on invoices, something just came into my head. And it, like it lodged in there. It just lodged. I guess it's a wee bit like what Jules said. You know, there's a thousand people out there you, you could try to help, but there's other things that lodge in you. <laughs> and that's when you know it's God. And what lodged in me, I couldn't shake it for all the world. I can just constantly. There's only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Jesus will last. There's only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Jesus will last. There's only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Jesus will last. And I, I couldn't shake it. Until I went to Edward Douglas who run the bookshop. And I said, Edward, I need to go to Bible college. I need to go to the Faith Mission Bible College. I can't shake this. And I was too late, really, to get my application in. But Edward, being Edward, he'd leave it with me. And when what seemed like no time, I found myself off in Edinburgh, in this Bible college where a bell rang at 6 a.m. to get you up out of bed to do chores around the place. Like, almost at 6 a.m. to get up and peel potatoes and all this, carry on. And usually, actually, they ended up giving me library duty. I think they knew I was useless. <laughs> and I ended up in the library putting books away, you know, the first thing in the morning. And then you went and you did your morning devotions. Um, and then you had breakfast with everyone else. And then your lectures began at 9 a.m. And then you had to learn a verse of the Bible every day you were there. You had to read through the Bible once each year you were there. And then you were sent out to do stuff. Like I remember meeting all, the, all these students and they were from all over the world, all over the British Isles, but also America, Canada, um, South Korea, China, Pakistan, India. Now, and we were all there, and there was a big event coming up, and they were all like, okay, who wants to preach at this event? You know, and everybody's hands got up, and I was like, no way. And I, I felt like, though, I was the only one who, who couldn't do it. And then what happened was your name went up on a notice board for an outreach, um, leading the meeting, such and such, singing, such and such, preaching, Stephen Campbell, and you're like, oh, boy. You had to prepare your message, and you had to go to this church, and you had to preach. <laughs> they sent you on a summer placement at the end of each year. It was a two-year course, and my summer placements were doing kids' work, and doing tent missions. Tent missions. I was 19 years old, doing a tent mission in a village called Holland Ward in the Midlands of England in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but I was learning. I was learning. When I left the, the Bible college and went into the work of the faith mission, I think maybe they didn't like me. They sent me to the Shetland Islands, like the, the furthest away you can get and still being in Britain. You know, you can't get any further. 
Um, I was in the Shetlands. I was in the Western Isles of Lewis and Harris. I was in the Highlands of Scotland. And I can remember, like, you, you preached your message and then you went straight to the study and wrote your next one, preached, wrote your next one, preached. And looking back, I realized now I was, I was actually learning the Bible that way. Um, and I guess, in a, to a certain extent, honing the craft of what it is to be up at the front and, and do things. Um, after a couple of years of doing that, um, a year and a half, couple of years, I came home here for a break. This was in my early 20s. Um, I'd agreed a six-month break. Um, I got a job just in family business, working for my dad. And at the end of the six months, the Faith Mission phoned me and see you. And I said, oh, give, give me another six months. I took another six months. Um, but 12 years later, I'd find myself still working for my dad. But all the time, knowing. And I had a, had a good job. Like it, was a, it was a good job. But all the time knowing, I have a call on my life. And again, could I shake it? I don't know if you ever listened to Jim McClelland, um, who'd started to work in Ethiopia. He felt the voice of God calling him to Africa. And he tried to call God's bluff. He said, right, God, I'm going to call your bluff. And... This isn't exactly the way of it, I can't remember. But he basically just looked up the yellow pages for a phone number of somebody doing something in Africa and phoned them to call God's bluff, you know, to show that this isn't next thing. He found himself out there in a mud hut in Ethiopia and God meeting with him. The guy wasn't saved. God met with him in a mud hut in Ethiopia. <laughs> and in a sense... 12 years later, whatever it was, working for my dad, I thought, nearly in a sense, I'm going to call God's bluffer. I'm going to get serious with God here. And I said, right, God. I, I'm, I'm going to pursue further studies, but I'm going to do theology. And this is me showing you, God, then, that I'm serious. If there is a, a call upon my life, I'm serious. So I started up at Union College in Queens, a degree in theology. And I only got a few months into it um, when Whitewell approached me uh, to come on staff as, as youth director at that stage. And it kind of made me realize the truth of what I've heard here so many times, and you've heard it too. When you get serious with God, He gets serious with you. Um, and so the job here got so busy that it, I, I didn't pursue the studies anymore. I pursued the call. Um, let me bring you up then to 2018. Bayless Connolly preached in Whitewell years back. Not the last time he was here, I think a time before that. And he, he sort of stopped and he said, somebody here is going to have a suddenly moment somebody here and you need to know you're going to have a suddenly moment in God that wasn't for me by the way at that time but in 2018 
it was like I had my suddenly moments. September of 2018, I got ordained to be a pastor in Whitewell. Two days later, I got married. Um, a year and a half later, Lila was born. 20 months now after that, we're waiting on another wee baby coming. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. 2017, none of these things were in my life. And from 2018, pastor, marriage, children. And so I guess I'm sort of wrapping it up with this. Because the wheels of God turn slowly. All the wee cogs and all the wee pieces, they turn slowly. You know, I, I don't know why I was doing the A-levels I did and not doing well in them and working in a bookshop, not even knowing why I was working in it. The wheels were turning slowly. And then suddenly, I'm going to Bible college. 2017, none of the things I just mentioned were in my life, but then all the, everything was going slowly. But then suddenly, when all the cogs are in place and when everything lines up in God, suddenly, pastor, marriage, children. And maybe you're here and you're in that waiting place. You're wondering where is God? You're wondering what God is doing? You're wondering why everything's so slow or you're wondering why things aren't moving. Things are moving. Things are happening. God's lining everything up. And then suddenly, God's going to move on your behalf and God's going to do things in your life so let me just check that's everything there is my testimony um, let's pray shall we 